Hello there, welcome to May Fight Club. I'm your host, Manny G. I'm here to talk about PFL Challenger Series, week number seven of the year 2023, just to make sure you're in the right year, right? Coming up on March 10th, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, Friday night, Orlando, Florida. You know the drill, four fights on the card, one contract being given out. This will be the light heavyweight division for the men. Impa Kasaganai is in the main event. You've heard of him before because he was a former UFC fighter, cut about a year ago. Up against a guy named Osama El Seti from Egypt. Another guy you might recognize in his card, Taylor Johnson, was on the Contender Series about oh, two, three years ago. Also fought in Bellator about a year or so ago. Went to decision against Johnny Eblen, who's the current Bellator champion. So, a few guys you recognize, the rest of them, maybe not so much. We'll see what happens here. We'll go through each fight, one fight at a time with you, give you the spots we like, how we like them to win the fight. We'll talk numbers the best we can. Unfortunately, the time of this taping of this video, there are no lines out yet. If you're following our newsletter, which you should be, that link's down below. The newsletter we published on Monday morning with the whole write-up and breakdown of this full card. The lines will be included as soon as the lines come out, you know, when they're published. When they're published, we actually update our newsletter and put them in there. So, again, we apologize. We don't have lines available for you in this video, but we will talk specifics who we like to win and the bidding spots we like without knowing the lines associated with them yet. For last week, PFL Challenger Series number six, I do want to say we finished up in the positive. That was nice. We had a lot of bets out there, a lot of sprinkles, trying to have some fun with it. You know, PFL is a, it's hard to make money with PFL. Let's just put it out there. It's a lot of variants. There's uh, big dogs that win. We had some fun with it. We finished like, I think, 0.7, plus 0.7 units, nothing too big. But if you tailed us, we did finish plus money. And uh, so moving on to week number seven, here we go. Let's jump into it right now. What should be the first fight in the card is going to be Monte Dion Agbana Morrison. He's got a hyphenated last name from Nigeria, excuse me, against Roland Dunlop, Mr. Dunlop's undefeated American fighter. They're both undefeated at 3-0. Not much experience that you see initially outright when you look at topology, but Monte Morrison does have an accomplished Muay Thai and kickboxing background, excuse me, which we'll talk about here. In terms of our prediction, we're going to go with Morrison to win the fight into the distance by a TKO. But, but, uh, Dunlop is a very good striker, has looked good on film. The one thing we're more sure of is maybe not sure who wins, but we're more sure that the fight probably does not go the distance because he's got just such good strikers, very high volume, like to go forward, lots of combination. I mean, Dunlop is one of the few fighters we've ever seen who actually throws combinations just with his legs. So he'll have his hands up here and then pop, pop, back to back, you know, leg strikes, both legs involved, uh, very quick, very athletic. So a lot to like about him. I don't want to sound like, oh, he can't win the fight. No, he very well can win. In terms of Morrison, we're giving him the edge mostly because of the slight experience, Muay Thai experience, whatever else. Okay, some details in these two guys. Morrison is 3-0, training out of American top team. That is a factor as well, one of the best gyms in the world. He's 29 according to Tapology, 6'3 in height, and so is Ronald, Ronald, excuse me, Roland Dunlop, also 6'3 out of finish strong MMA. We don't have an age number here in Dunlop, but I would assume based upon his topology photo and also his record, he's probably in the same wheelhouse, mid to late 20s, 30 at the most, you know, that kind of range. Okay, our write-up in this fight, not too much of a breakdown, it's pretty straightforward, not much film on them, right? We like, again, Monte to win the fight by a TKO. Looking him on a film, tons of volume, moves forward, overwhelms his opponents at times with just volume and pace. That works against guys that are lower levels. So that's the one question mark here. Will that work against Roland Dunlop? Again, same thing with Dunlop. He tends to overwhelm his opponents with pace and pressure and volume. Will that work here against Morrison? 
I think Morrison has the better stand-up skills in terms of defense. Striking-wise, very similar. But Dunlop keeps his head a little bit high. On a, on a, you know, his hands are a little bit lower. Whereas Morrison, you see his hands coming up back up, a little bit more disciplined with his defense. And I think overall, you're talking about, again, the details here. The fact that Morrison's training day-to-day at ATT with some of the best coaches and partners in the world, that is a difference. You know, for Roland Dunlop, I'm not sure where he's training at. I've never heard of the gym before. So there's an advantage there for Morrison from that standpoint. But there is a lot to like about Dunlop on film. Tons of combinations. Again, legs are involved. Needs to shore up his stand-up defense. Can be hittable. This fight's going to be fun. Very explosive. And may be the most tight fight on the entire card in terms of who's going to win or who the winning line. That type of thing. Either way, going to be fireworks. We think Morrison edges out Dunlop here. Gets a TKO. The spots we like from a betting standpoint the most are the fight does not go the distance. The under two and a half rounds, and then more to send on the money line as one of our parlay pieces just for one of our, you know, fun full car parlays. That should break down. Though, again, guys, I want to make sure I emphasize, Roland can win this fight. He is very good, too. So we like Morrison to win the fight by TKO. That's our prediction. Moving up the card, next fight's going to be between Tristan Obervig and Billy Elikana, both American fighters. Before we get to the breakdown, we like Tristan Obervig to win the fight by a ground and pound Sometime in round one or two, this guy's a very aggressive grappler, ground and pounder. That's his fighting style. For Billy Elikana, he's not to be overlooked. He's 4-1 for a reason. Has his own finishing ability as well, which we'll talk about. We like Tristan here, though. Inside, under, under, under one and a half rounds to win the fight at some point by a ground and pound. So anyway, basic information, these two fighters. Tristan is 5-1 overall, 4-1 his last five fights out of Missouri. 23 years young, so very young prospect. Six foot in height compared to Billy Elikana, who's six foot two. I will say this, Billy Elikana, he may be six foot two, but he tends to have more of a rounded posture. He's like, he, he fights shorter than what he is. So height-wise, they should be about the same when they're actually fighting each other. Billy's 4-1 overall. He's out of Las Vegas, 27 years old. He's out of Uprising MMA Training Center. As for our breakdown, these two fighters here, again, we like Tristan Overeek to win the fight by a ground and pound sometime in round one, or if not only really round two. Tristan's a bit of a truck, like a Mack truck. He's going to run you over, grab you. His highlights are like him taking guys and snatching them and throwing them down. I don't know if he has a wrestling background. I would imagine he did some wrestling at some point, probably high school or college, whatever else the case may be. He doesn't waste any time. He gets right to what he does well. He gets right to the wrestling and the grappling, push up against the fence. We like that he's got some LFA experience as well and plenty of amateur bouts. Has like about what seven or eight or nine amateur bouts. For Billy, he has equal type of skills on the ground. He's also very affluent on the ground. Has plenty of um, amateur experience as well. We do like that as well. And additionally, he's one and two. I'm sorry, two and one in LFA. So good LFA experience. These guys are evenly matched. There's not a big separation here. In terms of LFA, it should be noted, LFA is a good promotion. So when we say LFA, we're talking like LFA, Cage Warriors. Those are good promotions. Those are like, you know, right a step below the PFL and Bellator and obviously, you know, the UFC. For Billy, three of his four wins have been by finish. So he knows what it takes to finish an opponent. Our only concern for Billy is that he gets a little bit sloppy on the feet. When we say sloppy, his ground skills are pretty good. On the feet, he'll do like a winging punch from the hip and then get off balance it leaves him open for counter punches, but for a, a wrestler, it leaves him open for counter takedowns, right? Or just counter strikes. And when I say strike, like going for a single leg or a double leg. Now, can Billy win this fight? Yes, he can win the fight. 
but he'll need to be perfect on takedown defense for two of the three rounds. And then third round, if he gets taken down, has to survive the ground and pound attack of Tristan. Another concern for Tristan I should mention is cardio. How will Tristan fare in round three? We haven't seen that. He tends to finish the opponents early on. Anyway, we like Tristan in the fight for two reasons. Number one, the wrestling. It seems to be his thing. He knows he's good at it. It's effective. And on the ground, he's aggressive. He's finishing fights on the ground via ground attack. But will we, will we be surprised, for example, if Billy pulls off a win here? It's a submission or something like that? No, absolutely not. These guys are very evenly matched. We're choosing Tristan in the fight. And it should be noted, both fighters like to grapple. So on the ground, that's where they want to be at. The betting spots we like the most for this fight are the fight going under two and a half rounds. We foresee a finish of some kind. Tristan has a parlay piece on the money line. The fight not going distance. Now, if you like Elikana, if you want to put a bet on him, I would lean towards submission. It's going to be on the ground. It's going to be a back and forth war, maybe at times. There'll be some, you know, grappling situations where there'll be some reversal opportunities. And maybe even off the back, Elikana is still dangerous there. So that submission prop might be something we might want to play as long as it's got, you know, good plus money. But in this matchup here, we're going to take Tristan Overvig to win the fight. Ground and pound, round one, early round two. That's our pick. Let's move on. All righty. Moving up the card. Next fight's going to be Taylor Johnson. Goes by Tombstone versus Trey Williams. Goes by The King. Taylor Johnson, a name you might recognize. Fought in Bellator, LFA. Even had a fight in Contender Series where he lost by submission to Andre Muniz who's really in the UFC. So Johnson, yeah, he's fought some competition, been on the edge of UFC, obviously in Bellator. Trey Williams has his own reputation, hasn't fought at that level yet, but has been in some wars, and we'll talk about that. We like Taylor Johnson to win the fight by decision, most likely. Um, could we see a ground and pound finish for him? Of course. He has excellent ability to crowd his opponent on the ground, get on top of them, pound them out, suffocate them but trey williams is pretty good in the ground too specifically will chase kimuras from his back and uh can be a threat has good darst chokes and just a whole plethora of tools this fight though we feel like it's it's taylor made for johnson you know he's the guy who has a pfl win already last year again bellator experience and so on and so on so it seems like it favors favors him but damn we wouldn't be surprised at all if Williams, you know, shit in the apple pie here and got his own finish. So Johnson's 8-3 overall, 3-2 in his last five fights out of San Diego, California. 32 years young, only one year older than Trey Williams, who's 31. He's 5'11 for Johnson with a 73-inch reach. So same reach for Trey Williams, but Williams a little bit taller at 6'2. And for Johnson, out of American top team in Portland. And Trey Williams is out of Comanio Gym, never heard of it. Based out of Reno, Nevada, so I guess it might be a smaller gym over there in Reno. And Williams is 6-3 overall, 3-2 in his last five fights, and again goes by the King. As for our notes in this fight here, so we like Williams to contest the fight. It should be close at times, but again, Johnson by decision, that's how we're leaning. And it should be very evenly matched. Matter of fact, when the lines come out, this may be the closest match fight on the card in terms of the money line. Johnson has a wealth of experience. Again, we talked about it. He fought Johnny Eblen, lost to him by decision. If you don't know who that is, Johnny Eblen is 13-0. He's the current middleweight champion in Bellator, has already defended his belt at least one time. Very good fighter. They went the distance. So it gives you an idea of how durable Taylor is and the kind of fighters he's been up against. This fight will mark the second fight for Taylor Johnson in the PFL organization, so he knows what it's like to fight 
in this organization, has fought some some bigger organizations. From a pressure standpoint, he should be you know pretty questionable, right? On the ground is where Johnson does his best work: wrestling, ground control, and then ideally getting a ground and pound finish. He has a handful of those on his resume. On the feet, it's hard to explain this. It's not like he isn't a good striker. It's like he loses his focus and then becomes sporadic, laboring. He's one of those guys who doesn't like put his hair tight, so his hair is like loose, like kind of all over the place. So I don't like that. It's sloppy. If he gets punched, you can see his hair all shaking. And so um, I just get times he gets sloppy, like he loses focus. And so I worry about that on the feet. Now, fortunately for him in this matchup, Trey Williams is average on the feet. He's not amazing. He does his best work on the ground too. So just wonder here for Taylor Johnson, if he stays on the feet too long, what does that look like? Who has the advantage? I mean, I think it could be either guy because neither guy is very good on the feet, right? As for Williams, this guy has a penchant for exciting fights. He doesn't like get going until he gets stung or punched or hurt. That's what we're seeing from him on film. Now, once he does get punched and hurt or once he starts bleeding and he's back up against you know the wall type of thing, yeah, his best comes out. He he comes back. We saw a fight with him where it was a war. It was back and forth. It was a guy, looking at my notes here, it was when he fought against a guy named Ivan Botanich. He fought Ivan Botanich, and this guy Ivan had him all messed up in round one. Round one. He was on the ground. He was on his back. It was looking bad. He got back to the feet. They they traded, went back and forth. They actually both knocked each other down at the same time. Like had the whole like movie scene where they both land a punch. And they both go down. This shit all goes down in the first round. He's bleeding, whatever. And he ends up getting a submission win by, I think, by like a Darce choke. Yeah. So this guy, you know, he's a warrior. He's got that mentality. But he tends not to get going until, you know, he gets woken up and someone cracks him. Submission skills are on point. We do like that. Experience. He has a winning cage warriors. Not quite, you know, you know, Dana White tennis series and Bellator, but you know, still there. Our concerns here for Mr. Trey Williams, again, tendency to get into wars. And that could lead to all kinds of things. Get sloppy on the feet. Like real sloppy. Absorbs too many strikes. And again, maybe that's part of his thing. I need to get hit first to wake up. But it's a little bit of a dangerous you know, sort of strategy. For Trey, he's 31. Again, orthodox fighter, so right-handed, and so is Taylor Johnson. This fight can go either way. If they fought, let's say, I don't know, let's say they fought like five times. It probably would be two, three. Last fight would be really close. Probably goes to decision again because both guys come off as very durable. In the case of Taylor Johnson, he's been finished once in his entire career. Granted, like, you know, 11, 12 fights between his amateur and pro combined. But the one finish was by a submission. It wasn't like he got cracked and finished that way. It was by a submission. It was to Andre Muniz. So if you like Trey Williams by submission, that's your like rationale, right? Like, oh, he got finished once. It was by Muniz. And, you know, Trey Williams has submission ability. I could see it. Just seems to me like right now, Taylor Johnson, he fits the narrative. He's the one that the PFL would value a little bit higher because on the edge of the UFC, Bellator experience, uh, decision loss to Johnny Eblen. I'm writing that whole promo for him right now. When he makes it to the PFL this year, like loss to Johnny Eblen by decision. Eblen's the champion right now in the you know Bellator. It all lines up for Trey Williams at six and three. You imagine a line opens up. It's probably going to be in, in favor of Taylor Johnson somewhere in that minus two twenty five 
250 range. He's the fighter with a bit more experience, whereas Trey Williams, 6-3, kind of hasn't fought as many guys, you know, so on and so on. So, anyway, it's going to be a close fight. There's going to be a few moments, at the very least, where maybe Trey's going for a submission. And if you're holding a Taylor Johnson ticket, you'll be sweating. But we'll parlay Johnson a little bit. The betting spots we like the most of this fight are going to be the fight going to decision. We like that, that prop. Johnson by decision. Johnson has a parlay piece and the fight going over two and a half rounds. Now, if you're inclined to bet on Williams, like you feel like he could do it, submission ability, so on and so on. Williams by submission and Williams by decision. Those are the two props that I would chase. You know, Williams is going to go after submissions. At the very least, he's going to go after them. So just saying. That's your breakdown for this fight, guys. Let's move on. All right, boys and girls. Last fight on the card for PFL Challenger Series week number seven. Light heavyweight bout, all 205 pounders this week, right? Impa Kasanganai. You'll recognize the name. Of course, he fought in the UFC for a quick minute. He's up against Osama El Seti. That name, Osama, by the way, probably not the most popular name. Or no, let me rephrase that. Probably a popular name in the Western culture, but popular for the wrong reasons. Yet a very common name in the Middle East. And my man Osama is from Egypt. Before I get into the whole breakdown, I'll tell you, I like Impa Kasagana to win the fight instead of the distance. That's our prediction. Face much better competition. Osama LCD is the almost equivalent last week of the Vikas guy. Remember Vikas Singh? Last name eludes me. He was the gentleman last week who came over from India. Pretty strong fan base. Ultimately couldn't survive Gonzalez, right? This is a very similar fight. Uh, for Impa, he is at a unique point in his kind of career where he had a, a flash moment in the UFC, maybe needed more time. Um, durability was an issue. We'll go through that stuff. But uh, yeah, unique situation for him out of Kilcliffe MMA. Love that. Great gym, training with awesome partners. And the report is that he's looking super sharp. So let's dive into it here. So Impa is 10-3 overall. He's 2-3 in his last five fights, 29 years old, from Charlotte, North Carolina, but now based out of Florida, 5'11 height with a 75-inch reach. And again, he trains out of Kill Cliff FC. As for Osama, 8-2 overall, 3-2 in his last five fights from Cairo, Egypt. No reach on him, no height on him, no age on him. I have reached out to him and his people to try to qualify an age. I don't have it. If I get age on him, we will update that age on our Excel sheet that's shared through our Google Drive. If that sounds like foreign language for you, what I mean by that is if you look down below here in our description here on YouTube, there's a link for our Google, our Google Drive. That's Google, G-O-O. I can't say Google without like, I want to say Google. <laughs> anyway, Google, our Google Drive, there's a link down below where you can access our fight breakdown notes and an Excel sheet that has a film library and data about each fighter. Like data meaning like age, you know, wins, losses, last five fights, our breakdown of their experience, whatever else. And so we don't have an age on him, but I am reaching out to see if I can qualify that. When I get it, I'll put it into the Excel sheet. But for this breakdown, we don't have it. <laughs> I'm going to guesstimate because Impa's 29, looks very young. Osama's probably right in that same age range, right? Anywhere from 28 to 31, like in that same, you know, wheelhouse. And Osama's out of War Lions MMA Academy. We couldn't find much film on Osama, full disclosure. And what we found was, you know, spotty. 
Osama represents the growing sport of mixed martial arts in the Middle East, specifically Northern Africa, Egypt, you know, Morocco, that Northern part, because, you know, Niger has Kamar Usman and even by de facto Israel Adesanya. Uh, so these are fighters that have Nigerian roots. And of course, there's a guy you may have heard of called Francis Ninganu. Uh, Ninganu is um, from Cameroon, right? So we do have some African champions already. And then South Africa is exploding right now with Dreykus Duplessis and uh, Cameron Simon and, and others to come. So this is the, the, the northern eastern part of Africa, the Middle Eastern portion, moving into Iraq, Iran, Saudi Arabia. We've seen now the Middle East has paid a lot of attention to mixed martial arts or combat sports and hosting Jake Paul, okay, I'm off on a tantrum, but you get the point. There's a unique following here behind a guy like Osama. Because just like last week, we said Vikas didn't really qualify from a, a technique or fighter competition standpoint to be in the PFL last week. And we joked about maybe he, his people paid off the PFL or I don't know, whatever. But all joking aside, Osama seems to fit that same bill. He represents a fan base, huge, right? We said last week, 1.4 billion people in India versus 589 people in all 589 million people in all of North America. You know, it's a big fan base. Same thing for Osama. He represents uh, that fan base. So from that standpoint, he has a unique level of support and impressive physique. I mean, he's going to, it's going to be a weird description here, but I'm going to try to describe him for you. He's very jacked, but he has all his man hair, all his body hair, right? So he's got almost like a full-on sweater on his chest and his, his stomach. He doesn't shave it, and he still looks cut. Yeah, like, we all know if you shave your body hair, you know, you want to look a little more cut like a swimmer and stuff. It makes you look more ripped or younger or whatever. He's got full-on body hair, like baby wolf, and this motherfucker still got a six-pack. So he definitely has the look and the physique. Movement, that is his kryptonite he does not move very well he stands very flat-footed he's looking for that one powerful punch no head movement like he's allergic to head movement it's just stand and look at you he has a knockout online the link is in our description in our description in our excel sheet you'll see the link there for his knockout it's just a simple head kick against a guy who's not very good he lost against two guys that for lack of better words okay Matter of fact, let me look it up here. He lost against, yeah, one guy is four and two from Tanzania. Another guy is seven and three from Saudi Arabia. Very average fighters, and he lost against those guys. So, yeah, head movement. There is no footwork. It's just stand, look at you, try to strike. So, for him, yeah, competition is a big, big, uh, big question mark for him. Now, as for an Impa, you have heard of him. He had a run in the UFC. Fought twice on Contender Series, actually. Won both fights, but wasn't impressive the first time, obviously. Gets into the UFC, then gets finished. Durability becomes a big concern. Loses like two of three fights, gets knocked out. It's ugly. So his chin, durability, this is definitely the biggest concern we have for him. But he's athletic as all fuck. He's quick, very powerful, awesome gym. I mean, if it wasn't for those ugly-ass knockouts he got, 
he's probably still in the UFC. It seems like the UFC either cut him loose early, like, you know what, go get better, shore things up, go to Kill Cliff, we'll bring you back. Or maybe they just were like, you know what, we, we don't see it in you. For whatever it is, he finds himself now like on the outside looking in. He needs to get a contract, right? He needs to get a contract to be in the PFL. Or let me rephrase that. He he probably would like to get a contract, right? Because even with a loss here, maybe he gets invited later on in the season. He's a short notice replacement. He could still find his way into the PFL. Seems like a guy the PFL would want, right? Former UFC guy, they're big on that. You know. So experience wise, athleticism, big time advantages on the side of Impa. He's much quicker, much faster. He's in and out, head movement. I mean, he's got the like African-American gene of like being athletic. He's built, he's ripped. Osama, not to like, you know, not to you know, paintbrush his whole culture, but like he's Middle Eastern. He's he's standing more still. He's like the, you know, the mummy. He's not moving and sticking. And that's what more of you'll see from Impa's side. And again, Impa's at a, a superior gym. Now, if Osama fatigues, one part of Impa's game that's a bit underrated is his grappling and wrestling. If he gets a body lock, I can see him taking down my man here from Egypt, putting him on his back. Next thing you know, Impa is you know ground and pounding out this guy because he's just too tired. So Impa has superior footwork, better experience. We've seen his cardio in just about every single category, except for the category of like, having more body hair and still looking ripped, that goes to the Egyptian. <laughs> yeah, Impa's the better fighter. The line's not out yet. I'm going to guesstimate, estimate, pro -clock, pro procrastinate, or procrastinate and proclocamate. Proclamate? That's not even a word. Proclamation, right? Or my procl proclamation. Is that the line comes out with Impa being somewhere minus 500 range, right? Somewhere in that range. Like typical PFL numbers. If it's like minus 200, that would be a shocker. At that point, you're just playing Impa straight up. Two units to make one, but probably going to be a big line. We're going to look to parlay Impa as a money line play around minus 500. If we can get the props available, Impa is at the distance. We like that a lot. Probably around two. Gets to a point where this is a guy, again, hasn't faced a, an opponent like Impa. Maybe gets chewed up a little bit in round one, but has the heart to get to round two. And then round two, Impa finds, finds the finish. If you want to cover both sides because you're worried about Impa's durability, it's light heavyweights, right? 205 pounders. These guys are, you know, they're bang now. The into the distance props would be the third prop that I would consider here. So, again, we like Impa to win the fight. Round two by knockout. Seems like every which way, shape, or form, he is the much better fighter with much more experience. And curious to see Osama, though. Curious to see what he looks like. That's your breakdown for the main event for PFL Challenger Series Week number seven. Let's move on. Okay, just a summary of our picks to win. First fight in the card, Monte Agbana Morrison. We like him to win the fight by a TKO. Most likely round two or three should be a very close fight. Second fight in the card, Tristan Overvig. We like him to win the fight by a ground and pound. Probably most likely round one over Billy Elicana. Third fight in the card, Taylor Johnson. Going to be a close fight. We like him to win by decision over Trey Williams. And then main event. Impa Kasaganai, the former UFC fighter. We like to win the fight. Second round, knockout over Osama El Seti. That's your full card recap there for PFL Challenger Series. Week number seven coming up this Friday night. Should be again on FUBUSportsNetwork.com. We will be playing it on our YouTube channel. We do a, 
mirror image of the broadcast. We don't seem to have any problems here on YouTube doing that. If you join us on Friday, we have a pre-fight show starting at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. And then at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern, we begin the live watch party. We actually show it. Now, for those in the continental United States, FUBUSportsNetwork.com, you can watch it there for free. That's F-U-B-O SportsNetwork.com. I guess for some reason, if you're in Canada, some other countries, you cannot access it. So we play it for those people out there who want it. Again, we don't monetize that video. It's available to everyone. But if you want to join us this Friday, you'll be able to join us via our watch party right here on this channel. We go live at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time for a last you know, recap. Usually PFL does have some last minute changes. So between now and Friday, we'll go over those changes before the fights kick off. And then again, 9 p.m. we'll start the live watch party. So with that said, guys, thank you for joining us. If you haven't done so already, do me two big favors here. Number one, if you like the video, like the content, like and subscribe to this channel. Second thing is, this is a big favor here I'm asking you to do now. I know it's a lot to ask. Go down below here in the video description and subscribe to our Substack newsletter. You will not regret it. Tons of information, whether you're a capper, casual May fan, like to read newsletters just because, whatever your fancy is, it's hours and hours of fighter research Film library, stats, data. You like Excel sheets? You like charts? You like numbers? You like things being organized? You like things on time? We got you covered. If you never heard of Substack, that's a newsletter software we use. It's free. You can download that to your phone. They have an app. When our newsletter goes out to you, you get it on your app on your phone. Look at the newsletter. If you don't like reading, scroll to the bottom. Go right to our full tip sheet. We have a full tip sheet for every car breakdown we do. So, for example, PFL Challenger Series number seven. This full tip sheet will be available in that Substack newsletter write-up. It's also available via our Google Drive link. That link's down below. If that sounds like a foreign thing, like what the fuck is a Google Drive link, I'll slow it down for you. Look down below here on YouTube. There's a link there. It'll say Google Drive. Click that link. It opens up a web page. In that web page, you're going to now see a folder that has notes and breakdowns for each fight on this card along with a data sheet that's a data excel sheet you click that open it all free of course there's no downloading and no sign up no all free that excel sheet opens up it's got a film library in it it's got fighter comparisons it's got fighter data like of course their records and where they're from and so on and so on that's there for you for every card breakdown we do. Probably the most valuable part of that Excel sheet is the film library. We have links to the right side that are of their prior fights. If you don't want to waste time scouring the web for looking for fighter film, we got you covered. That's in the Google Drive. In that same folder is a tip sheet. So each fight card we do, there's a folder for it on our Google Drive, and that folder will contain tip sheet, a data sheet, and a Word document write up with notes, pros and cons for each fight breakdown. Those Word documents that are in Word can be downloaded. The Excel sheet can be downloaded. Feel free to take all of our stuff, use it however you want to use it. We are by far not perfect at this, as was demonstrated on UFC 285, where we failed to extend our UFC winning streak to six weeks in a row. It happens. But for PFL, we're looking to go two weeks in a row now. We were positive last week, week seven. We're going to go positive again week number seven here, or week six last week, positive, looking to go positive again week number seven. That's your breakdown, guys. Thanks for hearing me out. We appreciate your support. We'll see you guys soon. Deuces.